And thank you for those who have read. And the rest of you, um, how do I say this graciously? Get on it. <laughs> you uh, have lots of time to just read it. Even if you read five verses today and five verses tomorrow and five verses the next day, I just would love for us as we continue book together. This just, it's just simple. It's practical, everyday stuff to just immerse ourselves in the Word. And it would probably would not be the wisest thing to believe that we can uh, have the opportunity to bathe ourselves in this Scripture during the week, uh, but just depend on the pastor to do it for us on Sunday. It's probably not the wisest choice. So I'm encouraging you during the week, take five minutes a day and, and start to read through this if you haven't already. And if you have read it um, already, I would encourage you maybe to go back and read the verses that we've already talked about, just to ask the Lord to speak to you, and, and you're not getting off the hook either, even if you've already done all your homework. Uh, just, just my challenge to you to stay in the Word, stay in this section, and ask God to keep refreshing you in what it says and what it means. So this morning we're looking at our next section, it's James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, and we're going to share those start into our message this morning, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. I was really excited to see in our passage a reference to the sea, because as most of you know, yesterday the guys and um, a couple of my kids also went, and we went deep sea fishing. Uh, not in deep water, but we went deep sea fishing together. We had an amazing day out on the ocean, watching the sunrise over the coastal mountains. There's a picture there of that. Actually, Jan, or Dan took that and then sent it to his wife, who posted it on Facebook, just Breathing in the salt air spray as our chodo boat, our boat roared towards our first fishing hole, I felt like I was on the top of the world. Just breathing that salt air and that fresh air away from the smoke and the fire of, of the mountains in the valley, it was just a heavenly day. I loved it. And as, I, as we churned towards our first fishing spot, a thousand memories just started flowing into my heart and mind of all the summers I spent not too far south of there in Newport fishing with my mom's parents. We'd wake up every morning at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and Grandma would always already have my bowl of Wheaties with the equal sugar set out for me, and I had to eat my Wheaties before we could leave. We'd get in the old Dodge van, and we'd drive for two and a half hours or so to Newport. But often, as times as not, I'd crawl in the back of the Grandpa's old passenger van, and they'd have a small mattress laid out for me. And if I hadn't woke up enough yet, I would just lay down on the mattress and probably fall asleep all the way until we got close to Newport where he'd wake me up enough in time to see the fishing boats already headed out to sea before we got to the dock ourselves. But most of the time, I was too excited to sleep and I'd crawl up in the back seat of the van right behind where Grandpa was driving and play a thousand questions. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. But I would ask him about how, what the weather was going to be like that day and how he'd heard the salmon runs were going to be doing and what kind of donuts he was going to buy me to eat for breakfast once we got to the docks and how many fish he thought we would catch that day. And all in all in all, I, just asked, I was so excited to be out there. And I love that this passage in James talks about the sea in reference to our need for wisdom. Because yesterday was one of those special days on the water that I'll never forget. 
I remember one time fishing on Grandpa's boat, and we were trolling for salmon, and we had um, three rods out, three rods out the back. Mine was always in the middle because it caught the most fish, so it was mine. And we had two rods off to the side, and I remember one one time we were trolling, and all five rods got a salmon at the same time. All five rods at the same time. It's like a whale had grabbed hold of our bait, but they were all separate fish. And all of our rods were growing down, and everyone was screaming. And it was my grandma's turn to net the salmon. And, you know, if you didn't get net your salmon quick, it was going to break off the line. And so we're all screaming at Grandma, I'm first, I'm first. And she's like, everyone be quiet. I'll get to you when I can. And it was just one of those days that I'll never forget. And I'm just so grateful for the gift that God gives us of special memories and, and beautiful sunny days where everything seems to be going right and life is a joy and a treat and, and a blessing in so many ways. Uh, I also remember, you can put the next slide up on the screen, what happened to the man who caught the first fish on Grandpa's boat? He said we would throw him overboard. Pat caught the first fish, but we were gracious to him, and we didn't throw him over. Um, But uh, we had a great time together. I thought about my sermon this week as we were driving home yesterday when I wasn't asleep. Part of the way there, I was awake. And all the memories and life lessons that I learned out on the water. And the Lord said to me, you know, Fable, he called me Fable instead of Pete this time. Some of that sermon that you had ready is just going to have to go. Because I just want you to speak from your heart about some of the things that has happened in your life. And some of the lessons that we learned out on the water. And I was thinking about how many times, most of the time, out on the ocean, things went great. Things went perfect. It was beautiful. We caught fish. No one got hurt. No one got thrown overboard. Things just went well and everything went right. But sometimes I also remember that the waters get troubled. And storms can come out of nowhere. And we as Christians need wisdom in how to safely navigate troubled waters. One time the wind came out of nowhere and I happened to be the one who's driving the boat when that happened. Something was wrong with the motor. It wasn't sounding right. And I got scared, and I got scared quick, because he'd given me the compass heading he'd, at the same heading, and he was pointed right at a lighthouse, and he said, if you just keep the boat pointed in that direction, we're going to be okay while I try to fix what was happening. But the waves were crashing so violently, and the wind was picking up so strongly that there was literally nothing I seemed to be able to do to keep the boat pointed in the direction that I knew it needed to go. And the storm was messing with my mind. It was messing with my emotions, and I didn't know if I could even have the strength to hold on to the wheel any longer. And James writes to a church who it seems has lost control of the wheel. The storm is coming unglued upon them, and they're suffering. And he says to them in the middle of it all, I want you to have joy because God is doing something in you and through you even when you battle the storm. My grandpa didn't speak quite so kindly to me in those moments, but I know that God does. And so we talked last Sunday about how God wants us to learn to trust him in the middle of a storm and not be happy and not be overjoyed that this is so much fun because a lot of times the storms in life scare us to death. They mess with our mind and our heart and even our body. But the Lord says, through it all, seek me and find the joy that my spirit gives even in the middle of troubled waters. So as a veteran of shepherding of souls, James knew it was pretty easy to live as a Christian when things were calm, but much more difficult as a believer when the storms of life hit us with full force. 
His church had seen some of this. They were dispersed and running for their lives because of persecution. Many of them had lost their homes and their jobs and their possessions, and literally there was nowhere to go and nothing to go with and nothing to go to. And yet even in the middle of this kind of storm, he says, to count it all joy when you encounter various trials. James is encouraging us to adopt a radical attitude when we find trials in our life is to plan ahead to thank God for what he's going to do in you through the storm. I think that's really what James is trying to say, not ask God to help you to be super, super happy when things go wrong, but to be grateful for the fact that God has brought you through the last storm. And you know that you learn to depend upon him more and to trust him more and to love him more. And so that when the next storm comes, we have the reminder in our own heart and life, remind ourselves that as we face this new battle, God is already there. God already is working things out for our good. God has a plan. And he's going to see us through as long as it takes until we come out on the other side stronger, wiser, referencing the scripture this morning, and more useful for the kingdom than we would have been any other way. So James says, when you encounter trials, ask for wisdom. I wonder what the first question many of us ask when we go through a storm. Uh, I would say one of the first questions we probably ask is, why? Or what did I do to deserve this? Or how long is this storm going to last? Or how can I escape? Or when is this going to end? And James doesn't encourage us to ask any of those questions. He says that if you encounter these trials and you need to know how to have joy in the middle of them, then you ask God for the wisdom that you don't already have. The assumption in this passage and the language is, is that James believes that we all need to ask God for wisdom. So he's not saying if by chance you're one of the few who needs wisdom from God. What he's basically saying is that when you come to that place in your life that it's hard to be thankful, when it's hard to see your way out, when it's hard to see your way forward, when it's hard to feel like God's doing anything but punishing you, when it's hard to see or hear anything other than life is messed up and things are wrong, then he says when you get to that place, then you can ask God for wisdom. And so what I was thinking this week about my experiences in my own life, I wrote the first point up on the screen down. I said, never be afraid to ask for help. Never be afraid to ask for help in our life. James assumes that it's a decision that you and I are going to make, but I want to encourage you this morning, never be afraid to ask God for help. James is saying he's there for you. He's ready to speak with you. He's ready to help you if you are willing to ask him for help. I have to admit that I was not born with natural captaining skills as far as driving a boat. It's my experience it takes many hours and special training, training that my grandpa probably wasn't qualified to give. Some states even require you to get a license to drive your boat. And James was reminding us this morning that it's okay to ask for help when you just can't figure it out, when you don't have the answers, when life just seems too hard and seems too difficult and we don't know how we're going to wake up the next morning. It might be a death of a loved one or a sudden job loss or the crushing mistreatment of a family member or an out-of-nowhere medical diagnosis. It could be something out of nowhere that hits you between the eyes or the Concerns of a friend that just burden you so terribly. 
James makes the assumption that you and I are going to be willing to ask God for help. I remember the first time Grandpa gave me the boat. It was a calm day, and there really weren't any boats around us, and we had five lines out, so you've got to be aware of your surroundings, and and the last thing you want to do is drive right behind a boat that's trolling salmon for salmon of their own because you not only probably get their lines stuck in your propeller, but any lines that you don't get tangled up with yours, and then everyone's upset. And But this day, there was no one else around us, and we had been doing well catching fish, and 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 then I just, the wind picked up a little bit, and I couldn't, every time I looked away, the boat veered off like 90 degrees one direction, and I couldn't seem to keep things on track. And finally, after a while, you know, when Grandpa just had this sense when I started to steer off, I think it was because all the lines, instead of going right behind the boat, started to veer off to the side like that. And he was like, Pete, get it back online, get it back on track. And sometimes I just have to say, Grandpa, I'm trying and it's not working out. I'm doing my best to steer the boat the way I know it needs to go, and it's just not happening. Can you come and help me? It's a whole lot easier for the people on the rest of the boat to catch fish if you're steering in the right direction than if you're weaving all over the place instead of focusing on the, on the direction that you need to be going. And this morning, James is encouraging us to remember that it's okay to ask God for help. He assumes that we're going to, I think, and he is pleading with us to make sure that we find time to talk to God about the things that are troubling us in our life. Said a different way, he could tenderly say, if you could just have a talk with God, it would make things so much better. He would give you the grace that you need to face this storm and face this trial in a way that you could never be able to do it on your own. Never be afraid to ask God for help in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our trials. Another thing that I remember from my time on the water is sometimes you have to turn right into the waves. Sometimes you have to face the storm head on. Now, I don't know about you, but my natural human inclination when there is conflict or trouble or trial is to turn the other way and run as fast as I can. Any of you like that out here today? Or do you just, you just love to go pell-mell right into the middle of it all? I, I'm one of those people, I guess I would make a good escape artist if I would make anything. It just, that seems to be the easy way, and it never is, rarely is. But Grandpa told me that if you want to get to your destination, if you want to keep everything going right in the boat and in life, then you've got to look life in the eye, face the storm in the eye, and drive head-on into the storm that is buffeting you. It may be uncomfortable to do this because if you've been out on the ocean at all and you face the waves head on, you may come up at the crest of one wave and then you go down in the valley of the next and the other wave comes on top of you and splashes everyone on the boat and you're literally driving right into the worst part of the storm that you could. And he says, Pete, if you want to get to to our destination, if you want to make it home, then you've got to drive right into the storm that's facing you. Drive right into the waves that are crashing upon you because it would be a whole lot easier to keep the boat on track, to follow the compass. If I just turned and followed, you know where the current would take me? Most of the time in that part of where we fished, back out to sea. That wasn't where the fish were. So James says, 
when you encounter various trials, consider it all joy. Ask God for wisdom because he gives it generously without finding fault. I don't know, you as a believer sometimes feel guilty asking God for things. Uh, Does it ever feel like sometimes that's all we do is we ask God for something else and we need more from him and and, but James says that if you have come to a place in your life where you do not have the answers, you don't have the strength, you don't have the willpower, you don't know how you're going to continue on in this journey and have joy in your life, it may just be that we feel like giving up on our faith. And James says that if you will ask of God, he will give to you without holding back, and he will give more generously than you can ever believe. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to face happening in our life. So many times the things we ask of God is God to take away the storm. God to remove us from the middle of this trouble, in the middle of this trial. And James says, no, you face the storm, you're smack down in the middle of it all, and that's when you ask God for the wisdom that you would never have on your own. Ask God for the strength to face and to endure what you're going through in a way that you could never do on your own. Ask God for the wisdom to make the right decisions in the middle of this trouble and trial and trauma that you would never have the wisdom to make on your own. God is willing to give those gifts to you. He talks about it later. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, from the Father of lights who never turns his back to us, who never walks away from us, who always understands exactly what we're in the middle of and exactly what we need. Be willing to ask God and be willing to face the storm no matter what it looks like in our life. And then James talks about trust. In the last part of that section, verses 6, 7, and 8, he talks about trusting God and realizing that God is the best driver we could ever have. If our life has a captain, it should always be God and never be us. But sometimes we think we're better at the wheel of life than God is. And that's probably never a great place for us to be. But James talks about the struggle Do you and I all battle in our own life when life is getting hard? He says you can ask of God for wisdom. You can ask God to help you. You can ask God to get you through this. But there has to be this caveat here. He says, but when you ask, in verse 6, you must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. I think we need to be willing to give God complete control of our life. We need to be willing to ask God for him to give us the wisdom that we need to face whatever trial we are facing without demanding that he take the trial away before we get the grace that we need. And so many times we have these expectations upon God of the three things that we need him to do before we're going to trust him. Or we just, we're going to wait to trust him until he fixes all of our problems and then we're going to feel right about him. And then we're going to trust him more than we ever have before. And James says it is a matter of our faith and our principle that if God is in complete control of our life, then he's worthy of our trust. And we just simply ask him for the things that we need in the middle of some of the hardest times in our life. And God's going to give them to us. But he says, if you're one of these people who wants to play games with God and say, God, I need your help but I'm not sure I can trust you all the way, so I'm going to wait until I surrender my life to you, until you fix all my problems. James basically says you're out of luck. Because until you're willing to place all of your faith in God 
and trust him and surrender your life to him, he's never going to be at the place where he can give to you everything that you need because you don't even really want it in the first place. You've all heard that phrase, you're never going to get the blessing until you step out of the boat. I think that's what James is trying to tell us is that in order for us to have the wisdom and the grace and the strength and the endurance to face the things that we battle in life, then we have to be willing to to trust God implicitly. And only when we trust God implicitly is he able to give us the wisdom that we need to endure whatever it is that we are facing in our life. James says if you have that mixed up and if it's out of order, then it's not going to work out the way you want it to. You're not going to get, he says, matter of fact, anything from God. I don't think he's trying to say that God turns his back on you. I just think that he's trying to tell us is that when you're in agony and when you're in desperation and when you're scared and when you're afraid and when you're having a hard time staying focused on your purpose or even wondering what your purpose is, God is saying that if you ask me with all of your heart, I will hear you and I will answer you. But if you are having a hard time deciding who's captain of the ship until God fixes all of your problems, you're probably not going to get all of God that you need until you give all of yourself to God. He says there's a double-mindedness. Now, I was studying this week about this idea of, of, of this kind of person being like someone who is driven by the wind and tossed. And I, I thought immediately of, of just the wave after wave after wave. You go to the beach and the waves stop coming. And I just assumed that it meant that wave after wave would keep crashing over you, and that's not what it means. Been on the ocean or by the sea when it is really, really windy. I mean, where no one should be out on the, sh- on the sea except for maybe the largest of ships. You'll know that that wind just takes that top layer of water and just, and just blows it whatever it wants. It's like a spray that comes in. Wherever the wind blows it, it goes. And there's no stability. There's no controlling it. It is just at the mercy of the circumstances of life, mercy of the nature and the forces around it, and it's under no one's control except the forces that it can't ever dream of controlling. And James is saying that until we get settled with God, until we determine that he is absolute Lord and Savior of our lives, then, friends, when these hard times come, we're just going to be blown this way and that. We're going to be all over the map physically. We're going to be all over the map emotionally. We're going to be all over the map spiritually. And whatever happens, blow us as far as it blows until either we cry out to God or someone gets a hold of us or we do something to ourselves that we may regret for the rest of our lives. And James is saying in order to be secure, in order to be safe, in order to find the joy that we need to find in our lives, then God has to be Lord and Captain and Savior of all. And there's a security and there's a stability in that. And in that place and in that time in our life where we just stand before God in the middle of it all, saying, Lord, you are Savior and Lord, and no matter what comes my way, I need you most, and I don't know how to handle this. Would you be there for me in this moment? He's able to help us. But if we say, God, I don't know if I can trust you, and I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know how we're going to fix this problem, and if you ever fix this problem someday, then maybe I'll come back to you again. That's hard for God to do a whole lot with us when we're in a place like that. But if we say, Lord, I'm here and I'm yours, We realize God is the best driver of all. Close with this story. I was 11 when Grandpa sold his small boat, 17-footer, and we could only go out on the ocean at certain times when it was fairly calm. 
but he sold a, sold his small boat and got a bigger boat, at least twice as long, at least twice as wide. It had a kitchen and a, and a table there and a sleeping quarters in the front and more fishing holders than we would ever know what to do with, so I always got an extra one for me. And this thing was awesome. It also had a, a double deck. So there was the main controls and, and sonar and, and throttle everything on the main level, but he also had throttle controls and a steering wheel on the upper deck. And uh, just, now that was a sweet boat, and I loved going up on that top deck because you could see so much more. The only problem was that if I caught a fish, it would take me too long to get from the top deck to the bottom to get to my rod before someone else did. So I didn't go up there that much while we were fishing because I wanted to make sure that we had a fish on. I was, I was there. But I love the view from up there. And um, one of the occasions we were driving back to the dock after a day of fishing, and we were in the bay. So it wasn't very windy. There, weren't, you know, there wasn't a swell. There wasn't really a current. It was just like driving on a lake for the most part. And, and I was doing pretty well, and you were going fast, so that's pretty cool. And, and I was just kind of looking around, hoping someone would see me. You know, as an almost teenager, I wanted other people to know how cool I was. And uh, so we were driving along, and everything seemed to be going right. And then all of a sudden, I heard Grandpa yell something at me, that I can't repeat in church. Uh, so you can kind of get an idea. And there's a boat in front of you. And I'm downstairs in the main controls with the steering wheel there. And it had just been kind of sitting there because there wasn't much reason to hold on to it. And Grandpa, by this time, had already climbed up to the top. And at the same moment, I steered right. And at the same moment, he steered left. And we didn't go anywhere except straight toward the boat in front of him. And he said, Peter, let go of the wheel. And whichever way he was turning, we turned and we safely got around that boat. And sometimes it may feel like we are just headed dead on into trouble. We don't know how we're going to get out of it. And we know that we either need, we need wisdom beyond our years to handle this in a way that we haven't been able to handle it yet. We need God's grace to make a decision that we need to for tomorrow. Or we just need to hear God's call to our heart in order to follow him in a closer way. But James says the real question of the matter is not God. God gives so generously, he will overwhelm us. The question of the matter is, is we willing to let go long enough to let God in? In our own heart, and our own life. And this is where it really is hard. Everything else is pretty easy. We know who God is. We know about our troubles and our trials all too well. But the sticky part for you and I is when it comes right down to it, when we have white-knuckled fear or agony or grief or whatever it is in our life, are we going to let go of that long enough in order to let God take control and steer us in the way that we need to go? I don't want to think what would have happened if I had not let go of the wheel. I don't know. If that boat would have got their throttle and the gear long enough to get it out of our way, to the best of my memory, they weren't moving. But I'm so grateful that I was able to trust in the one who was more experienced than I was. He was on top, so he had a better view than I did, just like God in heaven has a much better view of our life than we could ever do here on earth. And the challenge for you and I is that when we're headed towards disaster, when we're headed towards danger, when we're headed towards something we don't know how we're going to make it through, to be reminded that God is there for us to ask for help. Never be afraid to ask God for help. Never be afraid to turn to the Lord for wisdom. Never be afraid to say, Lord, I've got to let go and let you take control. 
of what's going on in our life because he loves us. He desires for us to know him and to be closer to him than we've ever been before. If we're willing to let go and let him have control of our entire life. Friends, I'll say from firsthand experience in my own life, it's really hard sometimes to completely trust God with everything. There are questions I don't have answers. There are fears that I don't have relayed. There are tomorrows that I don't understand. There are people that I don't understand. There are so many things going on in our lives sometimes that are so hard for us to figure out that it's so much easier sometimes for us just to hold on to our pain, just to hold on to our fears or our unknowns or our doubts and ask God to just help us somehow get through. But I believe that James is trying to tell us that God has so much more in store for us than just getting through. He wants to teach us how to become more like him. He wants to mold us into people who further reflect his image and his power and his glory and have a story to tell about how God delivered us, how God took control of our life when we had messed it up. And we let go and we let God take control and say, friends, this is what God has been able to do in my life as I turned everything over to him. James says, don't be like the seed that's just blown this way and that because you have no wisdom in your life to help you get grounded. Be willing to find the strength to let go and God to grab hold so that there's an anchor that in the middle of the storm exactly where God needs you. Others may be blown around by the wind and the waves, but God is your rock and your anchor and your source of strength in times of trial and tribulation. So James says, friends, there's going to be suffering, but you know what? There's a different way to approach this. We can think ahead of time that God is doing something great in us. God is doing something good in us as much as it's going to hurt and as difficult as it's going to be. God says to look forward to this event, not because it's going to make you happy, but because it's going to make you holy. It's going to reflect his image through you. And so approach these trials with an expectation, not of happiness, but of joy that God will be with you. He has control of the wheel, and he has the answers that you will never have, and the strength that you will always need will be found in God and in God alone. And if you don't know how to do any of that, talk to the one who, only one who can help you. He never will turn your back on you. He is a God who gives generously as we put all of our faith and our trust in him. Let's stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, I'm grateful for the patience that my grandfather had through the years of all the times I thought I had control and I was going in the right direction and had everything right and and before I knew it, I was going west instead of east. Or I was going north instead of south. And so many times I thought I had everything under control. And before I knew it, things out of my control had turned me in a completely different direction than I thought I'd ever be going. And oftentimes, Lord, when life does that to us, it takes us in a direction we never thought we'd be going. We have fear. We have doubts. We have worries. We have the stresses and the circumstances of life that that hit us between the eyes. I thank you, Lord, for this amazingly practical book that teaches us how to deal with these times when life just throws a wrench in our plans. And I thank you, Father, that you are worthy of our trust and you are the greatest captain that has ever 
than on the water. I pray, Lord, in our own life that we would learn to trust you implicitly. And, Father, that when we cry out for help, we will believe with all of our hearts that you are the only one who has the answers that we need. And, Father, I think of our community around First Friends who is also facing trials and and, and troubles beyond what some of us can even understand. And Father, you are desiring to send us out to them. Not because we know it all, but because we know the one who does. And Father, it is our story of how you've seen us through the storms, how we're able to surrender our life and our trust to you, that you met us there and saw us through. I pray for those people around us who need to hear our story, that Lord, you would open their eyes and their ears to you. And Father, use what you're gonna do in our life bring joy to the heart of someone else. And I thank you, Father, that you love us and you be with us today. And we praise you in Jesus' name.